0: Wow, good morning. Good morning, good morning. So glad you can be here today. So glad you actually like each other and talk to each other and smile at each other. No point in getting dressed up like this if you can't show it off a little bit in your interactions with one another, right? So glad that you're here. My name is Brad Beers. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm going to give you the announcements this morning. I have three announcements for you, so hold up three fingers, however you want to do it. Three, three. No, I'm serious. Hold up three fingers, not the 30% of you that are like, okay. The three fingers, three, 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 whichever three you like, okay? Announcement one, drum roll, baby shower. Everybody say baby shower. I don't know if you know what we do here, but at our church, when a part of our church has their first baby as part of our church, then we celebrate together. So instead of it being like a typical baby shower that's just a women thing, it's a co-ed thing. We get together. We share a meal. We do it here. We celebrate them. You can bring them gifts. And it's a way for us to celebrate a new person joining our church, even if they were made to do so by their parents having them and bringing them here. So first announcement Uh, The date's up there on the screen. Please show up. First announcement is what? Somebody could catch up. That's my son right there. Good job. All right. (laughs) Announcement number two. Everybody hold up the second two two fingers. Two, two, two. Good. (laughs) Crash. Date night, March 8th. So if you are looking for a way to romance the significant other in your life, have we got an option for you If kids have been impeding you from being able to spend some quality time with your significant other, on March 8th, if you register online, you can bring your kids here to the church. They will be entertained with snacks and a movie, not dinner, but snacks and a movie. They will come, and we will hang out with your kids, keeping them safe, and they will enjoy one another. And then for two hours, two sweet, glorious hours of freedom, you can... Go out somewhere in truck. You won't have enough time to go anywhere else. Please do not leave your kids. Our lost and found can is not large enough to put humans in it. You can go out and enjoy a date night. Please uh, sign up for that. Uh, So announcement number one was what? Good, good. Announcement number two? Good, good, good. Announcement number three? Is the Seder meal. Has anybody ever been to a Seder meal? Just kind of wave at me if you've been to a Seder meal. Okay, so some of you know what this is. Essentially, Passover was hijacked by the Christians because we had this whole like Jesus raising from the dead thing. And so it like became a really big deal to us. But as as part of our our Christian tradition, one of the things that we have started to do as a church is get together and celebrate a traditional Jewish Passover meal, but as it has been fulfilled in Jesus. You do need to sign up for this. This will be $10 a person. And that's regardless of if you bring your kids and have them sit with you, or if you have, we will have uh, child care for the little ones that you feel like maybe can't take part in a big meal like that, and you want them to go hang out uh, over there. Either way, they still cost $10 to come, and that's just so that we can have enough food for everybody and make sure that our celebration of the resurrection of Jesus, as it is a fulfillment of Judaism all gets played out in this one meal. Sign up online or through the app or all the different places. So the first announcement was what? You're killing it, son. You're doing a great job. So proud of you. Announcement number two? Good, good. And announcement number three? You guys are, you don't just look good. You are good. Speaking of people who look good, though, Jesse Richardson.
1: Why do you say Why do you say I look good when no one looks good? But one. (laughs) That was actually okay. Apparently, the jokes aren't flying over somewhat. Brad had some really good jokes on there, like not putting a human being in the lost and found can. That was hilarious, and you should have laughed harder at that. We got to get your humor up to par here this morning. We're gonna find a way. Okay. um, Well, good morning. How are all of you? you? You made it. I know several of you were coming from Reno and there was a car fire. We're actually going to do a baby dedication at the end of the gathering. We were going to do it at the beginning, but a lot of the families are traveling from Reno and they saw on the map that it was going to take an hour and 45 minutes to get here and God provided a way somehow and, and so they're here and we're going to be able to, to do that at the end. Uh, this morning though, before we do that... Uh, don't let me forget, okay? Because because if we're doing it at the end, which isn't normal, I'm going to start preaching, and then we won't do the child dedication. I'll be the only one who for, forgets. All of you will remember and think I'm crazy, so don't let me forget that, okay? Uh, but for the rest of us, we're going to be in the book of Romans again, chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, turn to Romans. If you don't have a Bible, um, uh, some of the ushers in the back there, uh, Russ, Russ Dyer back there will hand a Bible to you. Uh, thank you, Russ. And... Uh, it, so just keep your hand up, and the ushers will hand you one of our Bibles. But you can use an app. I don't know how many of you uh, use the, the Bible app. There's, there's one in particular I'm really fond of. You can ask me about it later, but uh, it's a great app um, uh, to read the Scripture on. And we have been in this series called Our House for, I think, about six weeks now. I think this is the sixth week. It, basically, what we're attempting to do is just describe the kind of people that God desires us to be. So when we say our house, essentially what we're saying is this is this is God's house. We're not talking about a building; we're talking about the people. And what does it mean to be identified with uh, His house? What does it mean to be part of God's family? And so we've been tackling that each week. And last week, uh, I started out in the beginning of the book of Romans. I'm sorry, not the beginning of the book of Romans, but in Romans chapter twelve, we shared how basically all the way up to Romans twelve for context. Paul has been basically sharing with us a couple truths of our depravity, sin, God's judgment, God's wrath. Essentially, though, what we could say about all of those chapters is that Paul is trying to help, one, understand believers within Rome understand the gospel message, understand that they are saved, and they're saved by grace, not by works and and all of that. Romans is probably one of the best books that that you could read and study. It's a big book. It's got a lot of really heavy theological content, some of the most Debated chapters for theologians are chapters eight, nine, uh, and ten in there. Especially chapter nine; those are fun. I like those chapters a lot, actually. And um, but what we said in the beginning, if you notice, if you're just looking, we'll read together in a moment. But Paul uses this word: "I appeal to you by the mercies of God." And so, by introduction, we're going to to talk again about if we're going to build our life, if you're going to build your life, and I hope you're building it on something—the foundation. What should be the foundation that we build our life upon? And we argued from scripture that we should build our lives upon the mercies of God. And we defined last week, if you don't remember, the word mercy as being God treating us better than we deserve. That's mercy. And so in part, we said, we said hey, listen, if you're going to be a person who's following after Christ, you first have to be a person that receives the great mercy of God. What that basically means is that you understand that God treats you better than you deserve. I made a quick little uh, statement last week that theologians debate what came first, mercy or grace. Uh, I think mercy came first. So I just let the cat out of the bag for myself. And the reason I say that is because I think God's compassion and kindness even preceded his grace. So so the fact that, that God didn't immediately take Adam and Eve in their sin and their rebellion... And punish them for eternity from that day forward, that was mercy. Grace was the offering that God gave Adam and Eve in, in the clothing they received when they fell. right? So we, we said the prodigal son, which is a wonderful story, uh, is a story that epitomizes the, the great grace of God and the family of God. And, and, and mercy gave the son a second chance right that's what mercy is i'm give you a second chance every one of us get a second chance a third chance a fourth chance so mercy al- always precedes grace grace has a gift to it so mercy gave the prodigal son a second chance but grace threw him a feast and, and so for us we recognize that as a people of god we want to be gracious built we want to be merciful we want to build our life on the mercies of god we have to know that mercy if we know that mercy we will be dispensers of that mercy and it's my hope, I think it's the Bible's hope, I think it's Christ's hope this morning you would become more people of mercy. Uh, and we'll, we'll cover more here in a moment. So let's read together now in context and I'll invite you if you're able to this morning as is our custom to stand for the honoring of God's word to just get our bodies and minds right and to just get there hopefully physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually to what God wants to say to you and to me this morning. Chapter 12 of Romans, verse 1. I appeal to you. Again, just the start of this chapter is an act of mercy. Paul could command. He could tell us this is what you need to know. This is what you need to do. But he doesn't. He's merciful. I appeal to you. I appeal to you who? Brothers, believers. By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, your true worship. Verse 2 Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by grace, the grace given to me, even Paul is mingling grace and mercy together. I say to you, everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For. As in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. Having gifts differ according that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Prophecy in proportion to faith, If service in serving, and one who teaches in teaching, one who exhorts in his exhortation, one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does with acts of mercy, with cheerfulness." Let love be genuine and abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. This is your word. It is true, and we trust it. In your name we pray. Amen. You may take your seat. Thank you. So some of what I want to communicate is redundant. And I say that only because I, I think some of what I'm going to say, I may have said to some degree last week, but I want to build upon it because I think it's that important. What we see in the text, I'll give you really my three points up front, is you see the mercy of God. You build your life on the mercy of God. I hope you see that. But after you've built your, your life on the mercy of God and you've received the kindness of God for you that you didn't deserve, you then become a person of worship. And notice what he says. He says that we become living sacrifices. We're to present our bodies to the Lord. So, so here's basically a three-step process to a certain degree. This isn't, this isn't complete in my description by any means, but at least in the text, you can see this kind of flow. Be a person who receives the mercy of God. Therefore, you'll be a person who shares the mercy of God. And if you look at verses 9 all the way down to verse 21, you'll see that all of those are practices of mercy. All of those are also a picture of who Jesus is. So you receive this radical mercy from God. If you receive it, you're gonna be a giver of it. And that being a giver and dishing out mercy and dishing out grace is called presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice. You move from mercy, you build your life on mercy, which then leads you to a life of worship. And we're to build our lives on a a life of worship, worship of adoration to Christ. We say, "If if I have a young person in front of me, I want them to know at least those two things that I've described so far. Number one, God is merciful, kind, gracious toward you and towards people. Number two, not only is he merciful, kind, and gracious, but because of that mercy, he's given you that mercy so that you can turn upward to him as father. That's why Paul uses the word brothers here. It's familial language. Turn to him in adoration and worship. And in worship, give your whole body, your entire being to him, that the instruments of your body, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the mouth, the hands, the feet, all of it, that it would be used towards the, the glory of God. And, and then lastly, what we'll see is he talks about the gifts. Notice the progression. Receive mercy, become a person of mercy, because you have that mercy, which makes you a person of worship. And if you become a person of worship, the most radical way you can be merciful is by then not only giving yourself to God, but now you give yourself to the church. And he tells us, use your gifts, Don't have a high lofty opinion of yourself. Don't have a too high lofty, uh, a too low opinion of yourself. Have the right opinion of yourself and serve, give yourself to the church. So let's just talk about mercy just a little bit more this week uh, as we did last week. And the reason I wanna do this is because the lesson of mercy and compassion for me as I've studied this just progressed and trickled into this week. Let me share you a perfect illustration of how difficult it is to be merciful to people. Has anyone ever noticed that that is pretty hard to do? Treat people better than they deserve. Uh, and, and in fact, take the idea of mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep. That's actually easier to do than to rejoice with those who rejoice. It's kind of an interesting thing. So this week <clears throat> was the third week. My wife and myself and my oldest thirteen-year-old son went to the United States Postal Service to get uh, a uh, a passport. So my wife and my son they're they're planning to go to Thailand. Uh, with a with a group of people from the church on a missions trip. So our 13-year-old son, he has no ID, right, because he's 13. Um, I don't know if you know how that works. And if you're homeschooled, when mom and dad gives you an ID, it doesn't look the same as like when the high school gives you an ID, <laughs> you know. And, and, and so we've been going to the, we went to the post office box, and we showed up there. I'm not going to share with w- which one it is. It's not the trucky one, so I'll give you that much information. But I walk in there, and I notice that the gal who's there, there's an edge to her. But that doesn't surprise me, right? Because she works for the United States Postal Service. So I'm not surprised. I understand. And and I've learned something about these kind of tense situations about myself. It's better if Pastor Jesse just doesn't talk. So I don't. I let my wife, who is a better dispenser of mercy and compassion than I am, speak to this lady, but she's being rude and mean to my wife. She sends us home because we didn't have the right paperwork. We come back the next week, early in the morning, 8 a.m., come back the next week. Guess what she tells us? You don't have the right paperwork. Guess how she tells us? Without the love of Christ. (laughs) Because she, I don't know if she knows him. Uh, And so here I am, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself, just don't talk. (laughs) And she tells my wife, we need something notarized. And I think, okay, well, maybe it's on my wife. Maybe she made a mistake. Another great lesson to learn. This is free. Don't tell your wife it's her fault. (laughs) Well, I didn't do that. So so anyways, we go back a third week. And as we're driving to the place, I tell my wife, in, kind of in prayer I said it out loud but it was like a prayer <laughs> hey I don't think this is going to go well but it was like me talking to the Lord you know hey I've practiced enough patience here like we get there get this you know the piece of paper that needed to be notarized she gets mad at us because we don't need it <laughs> to which I said makes sense <laughs> All right. so the person who notarized our paper is katie daniels katie daniels serves in our children's ministry she's a saint what you don't know about katie is i'm i'm pretty sure she's related to mother Teresa. (laughs) and so we're in there and we're having this conversation and uh she says it doesn't mean need to be notarized we don't have all the details And, and 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 so we end up getting katie on the phone And the lady is rude to Katie. And she tells Katie, well, if you, basically what she told Katie was, if you knew how to do your job, you'd be more careful and you wouldn't have made the mistake. And she hung up on Katie. She hung up on Mother Teresa, (laughs) y'all. So I'm sitting there and in my mind, I keep hearing God say, treat her better than she deserves. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at her, and I'm like, "Yeah, but I think wrath will work better here." And and what was interesting about that drive home, and again, this is all I'm just sharing this with you because because this is how God works in my life as your pastor and as your preacher. I'm working through these things in my life no differently than you are. For the next thirty minutes, we drove home, and we had a conversation about, with my son, about what does it look like to treat somebody with mercy when they don't deserve mercy. And if I'm really honest with you, there's a piece of me standing here before you that, that even feels like I still would like her to just, you know, I told Allie, I was like, I don't want anything like really bad to happen to her. I just, I just really wanted to stub her toe really hard, you know, Ugh. and then for her to be like, shouldn't have treated them that way. And then I'd feel better. But that's not what happened. Instead, God exemplified to me that a living sacrifice, one who, who's willing to live as an act of worship under God, is somebody who's going to use their mind and their body to be an extension of worship, which is to be an extension of mercy. So I ask you again with the example that I've presented before you, I know that this is a difficult thing to do. And it isn't until, and this is the lesson, this is the thing I said it in my introduction, it isn't until you understand the mercy you've received from God. You see, I am that woman across the counter. I i have—I have just as much sin. And when I think about that lady and I think about... About that interaction, one of the things that God was pressing upon my heart as I was having that conversation with her, as I was thinking of of wanting to give her the great wrath of God instead of the grace of God, God kept telling me, you know that she's made in my image, and you know that she's been, she has been given an identity for me that she hasn't yet received. You see, there's all kinds of reasons why she probably responded the way she did. Maybe it is because she's with the USPS. Maybe it's because she's worked hard. Maybe she's the only one who cares about her job and no one else can work there. Maybe her husband's abusive. Maybe her husband died the week before. Maybe her kids don't like her. It could, be a, it could be a million things. And all of that, once I start thinking about that, I start realizing, if not but for I and the grace of God, but I would go. If God's grace and mercy weren't bestowed upon me, I'd be the grumpy person across the counter. And if I'm really honest, sometimes I am the grumpy person across the counter. And so there's these examples in Scripture about being a living sacrifice, whether it's in Philippians or in the book of Hebrews. We're told that, 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 that specifically Paul tells us that Epaphroditus gave him a gift of money. And by Epaphroditus giving him that gift of money, that it was a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. You see, sometimes by giving your money to the mission of God, whether that's to the church or to a missionary or to an individual, you are being an extension of mercy. Years ago, I stood up here when I was 21 years old. Wayne will tell you this story. 21 years old, I stood up here. I asked for a financial offering from the church to go to a school of evangelism in San Diego. Uh, an individual in the church pulled me off to the side who knew my life. And you know what they told me? They said, we were thinking of writing a check for you, my wife and I, to send you to this school so that you grow closer to God, but we don't think you're worth the investment. You know why? Because he was Right? <laughs> He wasn't wrong. It was mercy, mercy that people wrote a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, gave that to me. It's mercy that I stand before you today. It's the same thing when we send kids to missions or, or we send our kids to a camp or, or, or whatever it may be. They don't deserve it. Nobody deserves any of this. But we're not people of deserving We don't want to be a church that measures things in deserve and not deserve and the haves and the have-nots. No, 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 no. We want to be a people of great sacrifice who are pleasing and acceptable to God because we extend our bodies, our minds, our mouths, and our resources for the glory of God. This is what it is to be his house. We extend ourselves. Listen to what he says in Hebrews 13 as far as sacrifice goes. Through him, we continually... Offer up sacrifices of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledges name. Do you know what he just said? Sacrifice, living as an act of worship, the mercy of God to the worship of God. He says the worship of God is, in the text I just shared with you, one, it's in giving, it's in work, it's in words. You know, sometimes it's a sacrifice to just say, God, I love you. I, I don't feel like loving you today. I feel sometimes you 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 should give me more. You ever feel like God should give you more? It's silly, but we we do it. Or Hebrews 13, 16, the next verse uh, after I just read from 15, don't neglect to do good. Share what you have. Do you hear it? We're people of mercy. Don't neglect to do good. We don't do good because it earns the love of God. We do good because it shows the love of God. And, And so in Hebrews, he says, don't neglect to do good. Share what you have for such sacrifices So Hebrews understands to do good is a sacrifice, to share your things is a sacrifice, but he says these things are pleasing to God. And and, and how do we ultimately do this, he tells us? By not conforming to the world, but going through a process of transformation. And he tells us the process of transformation in the text, where does it start? Right here. It's a battle in the mind. What is the mind? (laughs) Have you ever thought about how crazy the mind is? You know, you, can, you can't, there's one thing you can't do with your mind. You can't, can't think. <laughs> right? You can't tell your mind to not think about something. I did this in the first service. So just do me a favor, and, and if you'd all do me a favor, and, and just don't think about me preaching in my pajamas. Too late? Someone told me I looked really good with bunnies on bunny slippers bunnies they pictured me in bunnies now you're picturing me preaching in pajamas with bunnies on them don't think about me preaching in my pajamas with bunnies on don't think about a bunny jumping across the stage there he is he just hid under Zach's feet but you can't do it. The mind, is going, the mind is going to direct itself towards something. And you know what the New Testament continually tells us to direct our mind toward? Jesus and the things of the word. Take note of these verses, Philippians 2, 5. Have this mind among yourselves. Go, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We know Philippians 2. And if you look at uh, Romans, if you're just looking through the verses, uh, I think just 3 through 5, he uses the words think very often. Look at it. For by grace, verse 3. I say, by grace given to me, so there's the gift, it's grace, different than mercy, among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought. To think, but to think with sober judgment. He's telling us, he, after using the words, you, you need to dwell on, on, on what the mind is supposed to dwell on so that it can flourish. What is the mind supposed to dwell on? Christ! There's a process in which we we use our mind intentionally with some discipline. I like how Comer says it. Mark Comer, Pastor Mark Comer says, it's called practicing the way because that's what it is. It's a practice. And this idea of of, of transforming, Piper says, is basically saying, don't settle in your Christian life with the transformation you have now. See, part of what makes us Christians is we know that we're constantly going through a process of metamorphosis. And none of us are totally there yet. No one is a butterfly. But we're going through this process. And he says, he asked the question, how many of us have thrown away our Christian birthright, our power, because we're content with coasting? I had a gal this morning come to me, about 60 years old. And she said, I want to meet with you this week because I don't want to coast anymore. I want to be involved. I want to be transformed. I know God's not done with me. You know what's really interesting about this as I studied it? Uh, I came across a a study. I can't quote it for you. Uh, I can find it at some point if you want to email me. But uh, the the, the study basically showed that when the mind is thinking about God's love, when you you meditate, I do this when I go to the gym. I go to the gym. I work out. I go to the sauna. I sit in the sauna, and I I direct my attention. I meditate. I, I allow God to transform my mind. And one of the ways I do that is I just think. And every time something enters into my mind, whatever that thought is, I just ask the question, is that from the Lord? Is that from the devil? Is that from the flesh? It'd be, funny. It'd be funny to you sometimes about what comes into your mind. You might think, oh, my marriage is this. And then I just will ask the question, is my marriage really that? Is that how God views my marriage? Is that how God views my parenting? What is God's true view? Because scripture will continually tell you like whether it's in Philippians 2, five, set your, set your mind on these things, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.2 will say, set your mind on things that are above, not things that are on earth. Set your mind not on flesh. In Romans chapter 8, it'll say, don't set your mind on the flesh because that's death, but set your mind on the spirit because that's peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed it cannot. You know what Romans 8, the study I just read this week basically said when somebody focuses on God's love and somebody focuses on the good things and meditates on the good things from God and scripture says it leads their hearts to compassion and peace. They've measured it within the brain. You know what the reverse of that is? If you think of God as an angry person in the sky who's constantly, his constant job is just to put wet signs up all over the house to let you know what not to touch and what not to do. If you focus on God's wrath and only his anger, it, it, what, what is shown is that what happens in the mind is very similar to what happens when somebody goes through post-traumatic stress disorder. Do you know what all of this is saying, what science is finally catching up with? If you think about God, if you know God and you worship God, if you receive God's mercy and if you give God's mercy, your life will be filled with more peace. And if you think about the goodness of who God is and his mission, you'll be filled with more peace. But if you focus on the fact that God is just frustrated with you and God just wishes you would do more, gosh darn it, and he's waving his finger at you, you will find yourself living with anxiety beyond measure. Do we want a church filled with anxious people? I don't. And so therefore, this idea of focusing our minds means we need to be watchful. Mark Comer kind of talks about this, again, quoting him, on tending to the garden of your mind. Anybody who's ever gardened, and I'm a grass guy. I, I, some of you have known this, that I, um, I'm good at really two things, preaching and grass. And, uh, and, and, but I'm learning now at 45 years old, I don't like taking care of grass as much as I thought I would. <laughs> I'm starting to get over it. <clears throat> and, and, and one of the—yeah, wood chips. You don't have to mow wood chips. And one of the things I, that you'll notice about a lawn, right? You've got to go out every now and then. You've got to go out and look for the, the weeds and the dandelions. Because if not, what happens, what happens here in Truckee to a lawn where someone doesn't tend to the dandelions? I've seen the, those lawns. They're in Sierra Meadows. They're not lawns anymore. They are, they are gardens of, of, of uh, what are those yellow flowers? <laughs> They're weeds. It's just a whole thing of weeds. And what we need to do is we need to ask ourselves when something pops up into the mind, hey, I got to be watchful. I got to be present. And that's why Colossians tells us as Christians, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful, which means to be fully present with thanksgiving, to be fully awake. So I asked the question, are you doing a survey? And watching the kind of shows and how it's influencing you and the kind of music and how it's influencing you. Conversations, how is it influencing you? You know what I came across this last week, which was really surprising to me? We've all heard the statement, the seven deadly sins. Well, you know, before they became popular as the seven deadly sins, they were known as the nine deadly thoughts. I think that's actually better. They reduced it because two of them, were redundant, and they became seven, and they called them sins, but sin always starts in the mind. Are you watching your mind? How many of you are aware of this song? Oh, be careful, little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears what you hear. Oh, be careful little ears what you hear for the father up above is looking down in love. So be careful little ears what you hear. Garbage in, garbage out is what the song says. Now, if I'm really honest with you because of my sensitivity towards grace, if I were to first read this song, all I could pay attention to is be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. I'm sorry. Be, and and I, would, I would scoff and say, that is so legalistic. We're going to teach our kids, watch out. Santa Claus is up above. He knows if you've been naughty or nice. That's kind of what I read at first. But that's not the point of the song. The point of the song is right there in the middle, like any point of any good message, which is be careful, little eyes, what you see. Why? Because the father up above is looking down in love. You see, his affection is for you. He's watching after you. He loves you. He cares for you. And he knows what's best, right? Like, like when, it, when we say die to yourself, what we're ultimately saying is, I am now throwing away what I think is my birthright to say that I can live life exactly the way that I want to live life. And to become a Christian is to throw yourself on the mercies of God and to say, I'm no longer going to live life my way. You see that post office example? I had an option to be my own God and to dish out my justice and my wrath upon this particular subject or to yield. You know what my wife said? This is gonna sound stupid to you at first and then it'll sound good later in a moment. She told me basically to shut my mouth. The lady, so does my wife. And I looked at the lady and I said, yes, ma'am, I obey. I wanted to make a point, you know. And you know what was funny? My wife made the connection. She said, you know, you said that to her, but when you said it, I heard you ultimately saying it to him. It was, I was yielding. Because everything in me wanted to, I wanted her to know some things. (laughs) And I had to let that go. Now, Give the mercy of God, which leads to your worship, which then leads to you giving yourself to the church. Take notice, as he says, we have many members, verse 4, but not all members have the same function. Verse 6, some of us have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. What's interesting is he he now mentions this idea of giving in verse 6, but he also mentioned it in verse 3. Do you see it? Verse 3, for by the grace given to me. Now I've received grace. Now I say to everyone... And all of, all of the pronouns here, it isn't everyone. Well, it is everyone. Another way of saying it uh, is y'all. The verse says y'all. All, all of y'all have a gift in the body of Christ. And he says you need to have a measured, balanced view of who you are in Christ. Which means you have a gift to give and you can't withhold it from the body because, because that is to, to, to basically withhold mercy from the body. Some of you can sing. You need to be singing. Some of you can serve kids. You need to be serving kids. Some of you can design. You need to be designing. Some of you can paint. You need to be painting. Right? It's, it's doing whatever God has given you as a gift, doing it for him. And he says, don't have this weird view of yourself. There's some people, I heard someone say to me today, I don't think that, I know it's wrong in my head, but I don't think God's given me a gift. That's a lie. And notice, notice. You could take the gifts that are listed here and you can put them in two categories. He basically does it for us. Look at verse seven. If in service in our serving and the one who teaches in his teaching. All of us have a gift to give one another in the body of Christ. That's what we do. We give ourselves to God because that's an act of mercy. And then we give ourselves to each other. And we do that by giving our gifts to one another. Me preaching to you is me using my gift. And there's upfront gift and there's behind the scenes gifts or there's teaching gifts and serving gifts. And notice what he says. There's those who, who can teach, those who can articulate the gospel. Uh, I can do that to a certain degree. And then there's those behind the scenes. So like yesterday at the men's breakfast, I'm just going to pump it up again. Now that I'm teaching the men's breakfast, man, you guys are missing out on on some food that was created in heaven, transported down through Joe craft and given to the dudes on Saturday. So we had chicken, fried chicken and waffles and and some pork belly bacon I've never had before and some berries and some other things. And it was glorious. (laughs) And if you're a guy and you didn't come, you missed out on that and you're less of a man. But that's another conversation. Joe knows the source of his gift, which is God. He makes that meal for the glory of God. You know, Joe Kraft can make money selling his food. He has a waffle shop in San Diego, actually. So it's one thing to use your gift to make money, but it's another thing to use the same exact gift that you currently make money for. Right now, you go, how do I serve the body? What do you do to make money? Take that gift and translate it over into the church. Whatever, however you do that, I can walk you through that. And don't do it for money, but do it for the glory of God. That's what it is to be an act of worship. That's what it is to be a living sacrifice. That's what it is to give yourself up for another person. My friends, we have to use our gifts. They might be verbal. They might be teaching. And when when we use them, we have to use them with true passion. It's got to be real in you. Notice the text. Look at verse 8. The one who exhorts in his exhortation, more speaking gift. The one who contributes in his generosity. There's a behind-the-scenes gift. The one who leads with zeal, in front gift. But what did he say? Lead with what? Zeal. The one who does, right? The one who serves, right? Leading is a little bit more verbal. Do it with zeal. If you serve, do in mercy. Do it with cheerfulness. But look at verse 9. Let love be genuine and abhor what is evil. And that word abhor literally means it's a strong feeling of hate for that which destroys. It's, it's, these verses are connected with emotion. So I ask you the question, do you love greatly? Are you merciful? Are you giving yourself not only to God, but to the church? And my hope would be that you would. And if you're asking the question, well, how do I get there? The beautiful answer is you first have to receive the mercy of God for yourself. And it is only to that degree that you see God's great mercy for you. You know the reason I stand up here isn't because it makes me feel good, because it doesn't. I will go home and for the next several hours, I will wrestle with my own brain and my own performance. I will regret certain things I said, I will wish I, I didn't forget. There's, I got a whole other set of notes in here. I'll be like, man, I wish I would have shared that. Like to preach the word of God in front of people, if you really care, is to put yourself through a crucible, isn't it, Wayne? I don't walk away from the stage and go, that's what I do. No, I, because I have sober judgment. Right? if I stood before you and I'm not this will be my last closing statement we'll leave if I stood before you right now and I said hey man you know how hard I work to get this tall <laughs> correct judgment right like the, the God gave me my height as a gift <laughs> my son the other day he's 13 he's almost taller than I am at this point because he drinks too much milk. I know there's steroids in that milk they sell us. And he asked me last night, he had the guts to ask me last night, Dad, if you could make yourself taller, would you? And I said, shut up. (laughs) Of course I would. Well, how tall would you be, Dad? Taller than you. Now, if I got up here and I bragged about my, my height, you'd know how ridiculous it is because I did nothing to get this. <laughs> you know, my preaching, I have an obligation to hone it. But at the end of the day, my preaching was a gift that God gave me. I can't boast. But I can boast in knowing that God gave me that gift. You know, I see a counselor on a regular basis. I think it's a good, healthy thing for people to do. And this last year, he said something to me that I've never heard before. He said, Jesse, you're so worried about being prideful. He said, but in the last two hours we've met together, you've only said one thing that's filled with pride. So I got to the edge of my seat because I wanted to know what that one thing was because I didn't want to be prideful. And he said, you said to me, God uses you in spite of you. He said, you're wrong. God uses you because he's gifted you and because he loves you. So when someone says you do a great job, you can go, I do a good job. But all glory to him who gave me the ability to do it. We give God the glory. So I think hopefully you can come a little further along faster than me and you can have sober judgment about yourself because of the great mercy of God. You can actually walk out of here and say, you know what? God thinks that you are really good at the things he's given you to do. I mean, can we just... Can we just say, like, you take a look at someone like Sarah who's up here giving us worship and sharing her talent? God gifted her. And she should walk out of here going, to the glory of God. He gifted me. Use your gift. Watch the church grow. Watch us get strengthened, okay? Um, Last thing, I have to say this because I said it in the uh, first one, but While while I do this, I want to ask Zach and Laura and Titus to come up. We're going to do a baby dedication, and uh, so this will be fun. Look at Titus. Yeah, buddy. Baby dedications are fun. Ava, you look very excited to come see me. So we try to we try to hold in Titus here a little bit. This is the Osnes family, Um, and I was going to say in the first gathering, uh, I'll save it for next week. It doesn't fit. I don't want it to be weird. Um, but um, uh, Zach and Laura have been a tremendous part of our church for several years. I remember when they first moved here and and didn't have any children at all. And I've been able to take part in dedicating all of their kids, which has been a great blessing. Laura is a wonderful Bible teacher. Uh, if you've not heard her teach, she she's great. Zach is also a very studious guy, helps out with our men's ministry, teaches a men's breakfast on Fridays. We've actually just recently asked Zach to be uh, one of our intern elders, so he's in the process this year uh, of becoming one of our elders. Uh, we've also asked Pastor Wayne, who's in the back. He's on our elder team uh, again, and uh, Travis, who was in the first gathering. And so they're a really important part of our church. And so they're standing before you in baby dedication. Uh, what we do with this is we recognize that it's there's nothing like like nothing sp- like supernatural happens here. this is this is them standing before you as their family saying we know that it takes a family of people, it takes a family of Christians for us to grow, and and we want your help with that. We need your accountability with that, and and vice versa. And so what I do when I do baby dedications is I ask Zach and Laura, and I say, Zach and Laura, do you covenant, which is just a promise? Hey, I, I wanna promise. Do you promise with this congregation to do everything that you can? to continue to walk with Jesus Christ, to raise Titus to the glory of God, that he would know Jesus and that one day he would come to salvation. Uh, do you promise to covenant with our church family and with me and the leadership here? <laughs> Get a <better> okay. <laughs> do you covenant to walk with them according to the word of God and all his promises to teach him his way? Yes, we do. And church family, if you're part of SBC, you call us your church home. Uh, and we basically say hey if you're if you come here on a regular basis and you serve and you give to sbc you're a member of our church you're a family of our church uh, and, and for those of you that you would consider part of the family here would you covenant with zach and laura in relationship uh, that they would that you would help them raise titus according to the gospel and the word of god church and what would you say we do awesome let's pray for him. can i hold you buddy All right. Gotcha. (laughs) Lord, I thank you so much for Titus. I thank you for Zach and Laura and their other kids. And I pray, Lord, that you will bless them, that you'd be over Titus, that you would lead him according to your word and that you would lead him according to the gospel. And that, Lord, you would equip Zach and Laura in every way to disciple him and their other kids, Lord, and help us as a church to love and minister to you, uh, to them. And I pray, Lord, that you would help uh, the congregation here to be a great assistance and help for Zach and Laura. And we trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give him a hand. (laughs) He was just pushing me too. Worship team, if you guys want to come on up, let's worship. Let's give God our praise. uh, And uh, we'll see you guys next week.